0: The Coffee People Podcast is presented by Roastar Coffee Packaging. Roastar is the digital printing company that makes high quality custom printed packaging for coffee products that will make even the smallest roasters look like a really, really big deal. At Roastar.com, you'll learn how quickly and easily they can take you from a quote to a stellar looking coffee package, enabling you to live out your packaging dreams. If you are a coffee roaster looking to upgrade your coffee bags, go to Roastar.com. Link in the Coffee People Podcasts show notes. Any questions before we get started?
1: I don't think so. I think we're just going to wing it here. <laughs> yeah, our first, po- first podcast. First podcast, we'll just, yeah.
2: Uh, go with the flow. Yeah, you take the lead. Mm-hmm.
0: Before we even get started, I'll say, uh, is winging it a tri- something we're going to get back to? Like, is that something that we do with Craft Forty Two, or was it <laughs> in
1: life? Yeah. In well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. I guess we can evaluate that question at the end of the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll we'll loop back around. Um, I, I want to say thank you for just spending an hour with me and and talking about your journey, and also for listening to this show. I know Aaron reached out a long time ago to kind of let me say thank you, which is always incredibly, uh, I'm always appreciative of that. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee People podcast presented by Roast Our Coffee Packaging. Coffee People, as you probably know, is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where we get to know coffee people. Often, we leave these episodes inspired and motivated, and always wanting to drink a good cup of coffee. Today's guests are partners in life and in business. Taylor McInnes is the owner and operator of Craft 42 Roasters in Kelowna, British Columbia, which you can find only a quick four hours or so east of Vancouver. Aaron Moore is the head roaster. They both take turns being each other's cheerleaders. During the first of two conversations we had for this podcast, they often spent just as much time uplifting each other and espousing the qualities the other has that makes their first coffee roastery a success as talking about their own efforts. Technically, Coffee People is still on break between season seven and eight, but I'm excited to get this show out because it'll give me another chance to reach out to Aaron and Taylor whom I found to be quite fun conversationalists. And besides, when a good show comes along, I want to get it out to the people. That's you. The new season is coming soon. While you're listening to this podcast, head to RoastWestCoast.com to check out our recent coffee packaging designer showcase. It was the first of many, because, well, there's a lot of cool packaging out there. Right now, it's time for this show. I know, because... My coffee mug is full of good coffee, and I hope yours is too. Please enjoy this Coffee People podcast conversation featuring Taylor and Aaron of Craft42 Roasters. If you wouldn't mind, since there's two of you, uh, introduce yourself so the audience can hear your voices and know who is who. And uh, if you could just tell everyone what the name of your company is and what your role at the company is.
1: Okay. I'm Taylor. I am the owner of the company.
2: Yeah. And uh, I'm Aaron and I'm the head roaster here and uh, just coffee geek a bit. So.
0: <laughs> and your relationship to each other.
1: Mm, Big question. Mm -hmm. No, um, we are um, partners. (laughs) So we are engaged for four years now. So but, you know, the whole COVID thing. And so here we are uh, four years later and still engaged. So (laughs) but hopefully one day can get married. We decided that starting a business was going to kind of be a priority first.
0: i think that's a really great uh, way to look at things my wife and i got engaged and got married right away really fast 20 years ago
1: <laughs> Oh wow.
0: one the advice we give to everyone uh that is getting married especially younger people much younger people is get engaged for a long time and experience things together you know see how you both react in the in the moment when things go bad or when they go good and enjoy that time and if you know you're going to be together you know, the marriage part will come when it comes. And that's totally. that's how it works. Um, I'm actually going to a wedding tomorrow. My first wedding since COVID started, or first big event, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Not so much for seeing all the people in real life, but just for the person that's getting married. I'm very happy for them.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I want to uh, kind of get the show uh, started for everyone to learn a little bit more about you. It wasn't Craft 42 Roasters isn't the only thing you've you've always done. But I want to know if you had a first experience, each of you, with coffee that you remember, something back in the day. It doesn't have to be like anything fancy, but just what was something that you thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I want to, I want to kind of know more about this or I want to do this again.
1: For me, I worked for a um, pretty big coffee corporation here in Canada, back in Ontario, where I'm originally from. I traveled all around Canada, opening locations and being part of an opening team and had so much fun with that. But what I loved was when I went into one of the uh, head offices where we learned about the roasting and we learned about the cupping and the one specific guy that was responsible for cupping each time. And I thought that was a pretty exciting time and something that intrigued me quite a bit. So Worked for that company for just under three years and then worked for a franchise owner of that company for seven. So 10 years-ish, give or take, it was all about coffee. So I think for me, that was probably where my interest stuck with coffee.
2: And for me, I've been a commercial truck driver for over 20 years. So coffee kind of comes with the job. We went and visited some friends of ours, family friends that we got connected to, in calgary just a province over from us and they're really into coffee and they were kind enough they knew we wanted to start a small business and roasting was something that we had been very interested into and where i stumbled upon your podcast as well and they took us in they showed us their roastery they showed us all the different third wave coffees and their little mini roasters and that just that, that lit a fire from us from that moment. We went home, we bought a a Kawa mini roaster. We started bringing in little micro lots of coffee and developing our palate. And it was just a train that couldn't be stopped at that point.
1: And and with a lot of direction from them as well, they certainly had no, uh, they didn't keep anything like from us. Everything was, Oh, and you should do this and try this. And this is what we do for this. Even sharing numbers, everything, they were just so, such an open book. Um, I really do think that was what pushed us to say, okay, let's do this. Cause like, and we wanted to be just like that too, you know, just like them and what they gave us. Like, how amazing is it? These people are so successful. We were so blown away how incredibly well they've done in terms of expansion. And they just really wanted to share that with us and help us along the way and be mentors for us. And that was, that was for, for us like a really big.
2: And we found, we found in Canada, the coffee craft, coffee scene has been so inviting and all about sharing knowledge and bringing the community up at large and increasing coffee knowledge and the expectation from the customer, from what they can receive in their cup. Those people that we met, um, they're from Rosso Coffee in Calgary, so a little shout-out cool. to them. But they have a, an importing company called Forward, and their main guy has worked with us. And we're small. We just started last year bringing in little micro lots, and I can ask him anything at any time, and he'll help me out, come visit with us, and has really shared his knowledge. And, and other coffee places in Canada, we've. I'm the type of person that will just email somebody that I – think is doing a great job and I think that can help us or is shares a similar passion and we'll just reach out and the people will reach right back invite us in come in check out our stuff and it's been a journey that's been incredible for us and we just feel like so blessed
1: and we want to be a part people. of it yeah
0: I don't mean to put you on the spot but do you think that is a Canadian thing or do you think that's a coffee industry
1: thing <laughs> maybe a little bit of both but, I mean, we're on the podcast with you, so you're not Canadian, so <laughs> I listen, you've been so great.
2: I listen to you, or we both have listened to you for a while, and the people that you have on there, I, I, think, I think it's a coffee thing, um, as much as I do think Canadians are very uh, pleasant <laughs> people. I do think it is a coffee thing that when you're going down a rabbit hole with specialty coffee, it takes you that way and it's just a passion and people that share a similar passion. It's easy to get excited together, whatever your passion is in life. If you share a similar passion, you will have conversations for hours and you're willing to talk forever about it.
1: Yeah. It's less competitive and more just like a community.
0: I would, uh, I would actually 100% agree with that. I think in my experience uh, the coffee people that I've reached out to uh, as part of this show in the for the most part are very open to the idea, even if they don't want to be on the show, which is totally fine. When I ask questions about their connection in the industry, a lot of people express this great desire to be connected to more coffee people within their industry and, and be able to share their information. And that's why they like coming on this show. But sometimes that networking part of it can be difficult or challenging or not natural. I'm in a suburb of a larger city and, and I've spent a lot of time in some big cities and I can see where that intimidation factor comes in. But uh, for anyone listening, you know, reach out. I think most people want to tell you, you know, want to share with you what they've learned. Taylor, you had that time in the coffee industry. Uh, Aaron, you were just drinking coffee uh, along the road. <laughs> At some point, you must have started talking about, you know, someday we're going to open a, a coffee shop or we're thinking about it or we want to start. you you met this other group of people that inspired you to, to start roasting. What was the tipping point that made you think now is the time we're going to take on this challenge?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I had been working for um, a franchise owner, like I like I had mentioned, who to this day, I would still speak so incredibly highly of he has taught me more than probably I learned in, you know, my years at college and university. And he, he really treated me like a partner and, and showed me the ropes and kind of taught me how to crunch numbers and how profitability and trusted me with his business. I got to a point where I was overseeing multiple units. I think we were up to nine at one point alongside another general manager. And I just had learned so much and then felt like I was getting quite confident with that role and, and just getting that itch all the time for more. And can I do this myself and for my own business. And I knew that one day that was something I always wanted to do. I've known that from a very young age. And I think my whole family knew that about me after years and years of working with uh, alongside him and then seeing myself progress and just all the experience that I'd gained. I knew that at some point I had to make the decision to start my own company Uh, Aaron and I decided to have a child together. And I think it was that moment of having children and, and spending time with them, and just like the love that you have for that child, is where I was just like, okay, I need to do this for me and for my family. And like, I want to raise a family in a small business. And it was definitely our son who even though he's only three <laughs> inspired me to want to start my own company. So I think that was the tipping point. I knew I had kind of reached, I, I don't want to say I, I knew, I knew everything about the position I was in. Cause I think you're learning every day, but I knew that I kind of had reached a point where I, I had to either move forward and start my own company or continue just doing what I was doing for the rest of my life. I just wasn't sure like about taking the risk and then I had my son, Leighton, and we're currently also <laughs> expecting one more. I don't know if you can see the little <laughs> one more on the way. That was a game changer, for sure. Um, when you have your own kids and you start your own family, to be so honored to watch the family that I work for work together and grow in the franchise. Wanting to do that for my own family and wanting to, to really have a business within my own family and teach my son from the very bottom all the way to when he's old enough to hopefully take it over himself if that's what he chooses to do. I think that was the tipping point, just having my own kids and realizing how precious life is and the time spent together. I guess that would be it, just the family aspect and and tying that in with all of my experience and trusting myself and taking the risk.
0: And no pushback uh, uh, from Aaron or elsewhere on this idea that I'm giving up a something more steady for something more risky. I think there's, you know, entrepreneurialism comes with challenges and you also are giving up, you know, what sounded like a fairly long-term career.
1: Yes. And I was, you know, financially, we were in a very, very comfortable position. And Aaron also, you know, we we were just comfortable, but the pushback from Aaron, absolutely not. (laughs) If anything, (laughs) we would spend hours and hours talking about what, what would be best to do for a business and and what where we want to go with the business and and all the different ways we would run it and whatever it may be and so we would talk hours and hours probably at nauseum <laughs> about it just like on my uh, commute and then um from my family like i think with my parents maybe just a little bit of pushback in terms of they're just worried is you know are, are you sure is this is this what you want but my dad had entrepreneurialism in his blood, I think too. And it was just something that he always wanted to do. So he got it. He got the itch that I was having and, and really just when I told them, no, this is it guys, I'm going to do this. Once they knew how serious I was about it, it was, it was just for them. They were just so supportive and the pushback was very short lived and It wasn't even pushback. It was more just like, are you sure? Kind of, you know, so no, not really. Everybody has been, my friends, my family, my sisters, there's just been so much support. I wouldn't say pushback has been something we've dealt with too much at all.
2: If you spend enough time with somebody and have conversations, you can see the passion. I can see the passion that was inside Taylor for owning her own business and that fire that's there. And it was a fire that wasn't going to go away unless she took that journey. And I'm a firm believer in process and taking the steps that it takes. And you're not gonna know everything if you're starting a small business. If you know 60% of something, you better go now because if you're waiting to know it all, it's not gonna happen. She's had all the business acumen that she could possibly need to start a business. And I felt and believed in her ability to manage a company and thought, wow, you know, if you're ever going to start something, what a, an ace to have, you know, the ability to do that and run a small business is a very special gift that needed to be explored. And I just felt that if we worked together, it didn't really matter necessarily whether it was coffee or something else. If we both put our heart and soul into it, it would become a success and something that we could really be excited about. I'm glad it's coffee because I love it (laughs) and (laughs) that makes it (laughs) easy. Because if she was really into women's fashion, I would be a little bit harder of a journey for me that I would follow. But this has been exciting and lots of bumps along the way, of course, when you're working with your spouse. But I wouldn't change it for for the world. Absolutely not.
0: Well Aaron, you had to learn a new skill. You're the head roaster of Craft 42 coming from your previous career as a truck driver. How challenging was it for you to pick that up? How did you guys fall into that role? It sounds like Taylor was naturally going to be the, the manager-owner. But this other side of things, the roasting side, how did you start teaching yourself or learning that? And when did you... How long did it take before you felt like you were like, oh, I want to share this. I want other people to tell me if it's good or bad because I think it's okay.
2: I think... We were talking when we went and saw our friends there at Rosso and, and bought the sample roaster and we're trying the coffees and we'd have our friends over and we would try all these different coffees. We'd do cuppings, working on our palate and seeing all the different flavors that you could get out of it almost felt like a mini, you know, mind bender. Every time you're taking a sip out there going, what do you taste? What do I taste? And at first we were all over the place and still are a bit. Everything's open to perception, then we're starting to get the same things. Oh, you taste blueberry, I taste blueberry, or it's tea-like, or it's got... And it was just a rabbit hole, and I'm a rabbit hole guy. I like (laughs) going down stuff, and I like like scientific theory at an eighth grade level. So (laughs) roasting is perfect for me, where I can try to keep all the variables the same, maybe change one thing and see where that goes. Just listening to a lot of podcasts, reading books over and over and over again, trying it something I really thoroughly enjoyed and still enjoy to this day. And every time somebody has it and they're saying, you know, I like it for this or I like it for that is an experience I don't know that I could ever get sick of.
1: And I'll speak to like, for me, watching him take on the roasting, I think it just started with him, me suggesting, oh, you know, what about... You know, I started talking about coffee and how much we love drinking coffee. And maybe with Aaron in particular, really loving coffee. What about roasting? And Aaron from that point on just dove right in. And one thing I'll say about Aaron is I feel like he has this hidden talent or like superpower where he can just retain information like it's nobody else's business. And I am just so incredibly impressed by that every day. I'll listen to a podcast and really enjoy in that moment and really take on the information. And then if Aaron's like, Oh, how was that podcast you listened to? I'll be like, Oh, it was really good. What was it about? Well, it was about, and I'll just kind of <laughs> give him like the Coles <laughs> notes very briefly. And then he'll almost reiterate the entire podcast back to me and tell me to listen to it. And I'll listen to it and I'll be like, okay, so you pretty much like, <laughs> told me the exact wording for word for word. Um, he's just very good at retaining information. And then he's very good at, spewing it back or maybe that's a bad way of putting it, but he's very good at putting it back into other people's ears and minds in a way that is articulate and also easily understood. And I, I personally just like, am so impressed by that and I, I wish I had that talent, but <laughs> he's quite good at that. So reading a book, he'll know everything he read in that book and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos He's just incredibly talented at uh, retaining information and and absorbing it and then utilizing it to maximize our business.
0: You guys are too nice to each other.
1: Yeah,
2: too nice. Just right now. <laughs> it's just right now. Like
1: we have <laughs> had we've been through so much together. We've been together right. for eight years, so we've been through quite a bit. And I, you said twenty with your wife, which is incredible. And I think, oh gosh, twenty and like. Well, where are we going to be then? But we, we've been through so much together, um, a lot of adversity. And I think that really helps us maybe be kind when when the timing's right. <laughs> well, and I think
2: in a relationship in particular, passionate people are passionate. Mm. So you are passionate about your love and you're passionate about how annoying that person could be sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm still a commercial truck driver. and And the benefits of that are that I'm driving a lot and podcasts help. So I listen to them. Quick shout out to Chris O'Brien for making things very simple. So when I'm talking to people about (laughs) coffee, I'm trying to reiterate what he's said, because I've actually found a lot of those things to be simplified in a way that's easy to digest, easy for me to understand, and other people as well. But in particular, if we're talking about different things about coffee and being able to tell somebody that's asking a question in a way that makes sense to them and not get too far into the weeds as if everybody has this extensive knowledge about coffee.
0: Well, I can already tell then you're more coffee smarter than I am because I've been listening to Chris for 10 years and I have no idea what he's talking about most of the time, <laughs> but I appreciate that he spends his time with me. <laughs> you mentioned adversity. I'm wondering about the coronavirus impacts on you uh, and by extension, your decision to go, go into this, this world? Was that part of that? And just knowing from, I mean, I think everyone knows from watching the news, it was harder to source things. It was harder to find supplies. It was harder to find people to work uh, on building things. And yet you've somehow recently opened a cafe. How did that impact you? And how do you feel you responded to that challenge?
1: I think at first it didn't really, I mean, we had, we were coming near the end of it, I think more so. So it wasn't in the thick of it when, you know, everyone was told also- not to leave their homes. And I think with being at home, working from home in my position, I, my, my, uh, boss at the time was so incredibly understanding of, you know, I, I got a toddler and whatever else. And he was letting me work from home at times. And so working from home and that, kind of slowed things down and made me get even more you know of the itch so I think it actually worked in my favor a little bit but also when it came to starting the business and those challenges that came about like getting the paper product quick to us or ordering something and feeling like it's not going to be here for two months or three months for me I just saw it as I mean I guess this is as hard as it's ever going to get maybe maybe if, if we have to wait three months now but maybe once things get back you know, on track to what we considered normalcy before, it'll just be easier then. So to to have any sort of challenge now is, I was okay with just accepting that that's what it is. Like you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. So just do your best and try to have patience, which I don't have, (laughs) by the way, (laughs) I am not a very patient person. I think it was good for me. It was really good for me to go through that, that adversity. But I think you were going to say too. Well, I
2: think originally we were going to be online only.
1: Yes, because of
2: COVID. And we said to each other, the only way, well, Taylor mainly said, the only way we would open a storefront is if it was the perfect location. And on a walk one day, she stumbled across people building a place and talking to them, and we found this perfect location. And it took us a lot of time. We designed it. Well, Taylor designed it and then we built it all ourselves and it took a lot longer, but we were sweat equity, putting our time into it. And we just thought from talking to friends of ours, if we're able to have an opportunity to present the coffee in the format that we best see it being presented in. Then if they go home and they're, they're messing around with it and it doesn't taste quite the way it tasted in the shop, they can come back and have a conversation and look at ways on improving their cup which we felt is was the way to go if we were given that opportunity so somebody doesn't come home maybe doesn't get the proper extraction or maybe is you know didn't grind it properly and thinks that the problem is the coffee perhaps if they've already tried it in the shop they would then think okay what do I need to do to tweak it we found with specialty coffee third wave coffee if the extraction's not right or maybe the water is so important isn't right You're not seeing the true version of that coffee and you're getting a alternate experience than what you could be getting. And we just want them to have the best possible cup of coffee they can have at home. Our whole idea at Craft 42 is for you to come in, for you to taste the coffee. By all means, we'll make you a macchiato or a latte, but we want to improve your experience at home. We want you to come in, get your beans and really enjoy mm -hmm. it. And we love having the people in here and the community has been incredible. But the idea is that
1: going off on a tangent, this is (laughs) is what he does. I've Uh, watched
2: the show. (laughs) Tangents are the way to go.
1: Yeah. I think what, like (laughs) where, where we started online and then when things started to open up, it just kind of seemed a lot easier for us to open up a storefront and, it, it made sense so i think i think covid had very little impact if anything just gave us a bit more of a challenge and i think we're both up for a challenge very much so and we both love any sort of way we have to work around something to get to the goal so i think i think covid didn't really have too much of an impact on us
0: what i've heard through this that that last rant let's call it from Aaron.
1: <laughs> it was a rant
0: is that you're just trying to push other people down that rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> come with me. Come with me. Come with me down this hole.
0: We're going to we're going to learn what we learned and figure it out. Well, that takes me to the name Craft 42. And the name of your your cafe space and your roaster company. Where does that name come from and and what does it mean?
1: So, with Craft 42, um that definitely is a soft spot for me. So, 42 40- 2 was the number of the household that I grew up in. So I lived in that house for much longer than I ever like to admit. My dad built that house with his own hands and my mom of course, and the two of them did that project together and had kids while they were doing it. And they raised us in that home for many many years, throwing parties and having friends over and letting us have friends over and opening our doors to everybody and The household kind of became what everyone called 42. So if we're chatting at the dinner table, we'd be like, so um, remember that one time when we were at 42, when we were doing this and that. So it kind of just became its, its name. To this day, we still all call it 42. Our friends call it 42. Family calls it 42. And so that number was definitely very important and close to home. I knew I had to incorporate it somehow, but... I never really knew if that was the right choice in terms of, should I just simplify it a bit more? And then we sat down with a marketing company, a gentleman that was just so good at what he did and was very passionate about what we were talking about as well. And when I had mentioned the name we originally chose, he said, oh, okay. And then when I told him about, well, I actually also thought about incorporating my my household name and 42. And, and then he was like, so intrigued and direct eye contact, and he's like, "Okay, okay, now we're talking. All right, let's do that." And we came up with this name, and it just, it just is, is so comforting. And and we've gotten so many compliments on it. Oh, I love your branding. I love your brand name. And it it just makes me so proud because my, my parents are so important to me and a huge reason as to why I am doing what I'm doing today. And my dad. And my mom are obviously getting, you know, older and I just want to be able to pass along their legacy and what they've taught me in some way. So I thought just having it in the title and however long I can keep that going would be fantastic. So I think that was probably, I don't know if I've I've said that right, or if I've (laughs) kind of put that out there in the way that I wanted to, but definitely a very soft spot for us and our family and family is everything to us. and. I think just having the inspiration of my parents incorporated in my company somehow, if it's in the title, then I think that's the best way I can really honor them. I
2: think a lot of, for me, when I think of 42, I didn't grow up in that household, but I know those people and the values that they have are values I share and values I treasure. And I think when I think of 42, it's taking those values Taylor learned from her parents and putting them into her company. And incorporating them every day and everything we do here or try to do, never perfect, always trying to improve, is about passing those values along into this world.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the things you're passing into the world is is coffee, uh, that you're roasting mm-hmm. yourselves in relatively mm-hmm. small batches. You mentioned micro lots is, is how you started. What is your strategy now when you're sourcing coffee, finding a balance between running a small business and the ethical environmental concerns around coffee? And Aaron, in particular, how do you feel, I know this is like three questions in one, but how do you feel your roasting skills have grown or what have you learned along the way that you feel has is, is made this coffee worthy of presenting to your community?
2: I think once again, I'd have to shout out our, a friend of mine, Cole Torrid from Forward Coffee. He's become a really close friend to me. At least I consider him a close friend. His company shares the same vision for coffee that we do, which is moving the coffee movement forward, making sure that farmers are paid properly, creating generational wealth in those communities. And I just think that that's so important. You can taste the the quality from those farmers that are brought here. And I tell him when I'm talking to him, whenever I and presenting the coffee to our customers. You're making my job easy. The farmers have done such a good job and all I'm trying to do is not mess up their hard work. Just trying to present that as best as I can. And the the coffee is just, green coffee is just that good. And the people that are coming to try it and realizing how good the coffee is and how great coffee can become is a passion that I have. And is a passion that people that like craft coffee are enjoying. So I, I think that that has been the biggest thing for me, just passing that on, trying not to to mess up the hard work they've done. And once again, I always say it's a little great science experiment all the way along the along the way. Uh, and those farmers have done a a great job producing that coffee.
1: Regarding the environmental side of things, the, the environmental aspect, I think that is huge for us. That's something that we have considered along the whole way even with our reno and and building this space everything almost everything has either been repurposed or refurbished or used and been given to us or all the way up from our ceilings uh, taken from an old building to our uh, floor that was given to us from family that had no longer needed what was left for us it was just about not just budgeting but also just like reusing if we could before having to go out and just buy everything brand new brand new equipment brand new ceilings brand new floors brand new countertops everything we really just wanted everything to kind of fall along the lines of where can we just take something that's already out there and and bring it in and then with our bags as well we were absolutely adamant about finding a company that manufactured bags in canada which is not easy after lots and lots of research, we were able to find a company that not only had a company in Canada, but also manufactured the actual bag itself in Ontario and were able to ship it to us straight here in our country. And that to us really was important. So just the environmental impact, I think, has always, even all of our cups and lids, our iced cups, our compostable, it's super important to us, not just of course, and first and foremost on the farms and making sure that everything is done ethically there, but also even within our own, behind our own door, and just making sure that we're choosing, we're making the right decisions that might not be as uh, affordable or financially yeah. lucrative. And <laughs> sometimes we're not, we're probably not making as much as we could, but knowing that our values and our, where our loyalty stands and just like staying, sticking behind that and making sure that. We don't slip away from that for an extra buck.
2: Well, it goes back to values again. We always say every dollar is a little mini vote for the world you want to see. So if you're paying a little bit more for your coffee because you feel that's the price point it should be, maybe it hasn't been for a long time, but that's the price it should be, then you're you're making a tiny little mini vote for, for that. That's what we believe in.
0: April is tax time here. And I recently went through my expenses for the last year. The number one expense on my my list of, of things was coffee. So I know that I'm I'm <laughs> I'm definitely hitting that mark and uh, offering to pay a little bit more. Could you do me a favor and pronounce the name of your town for me? I want to make sure I don't ruin
1: it. Kelowna.
0: Kelowna. Okay, that's what I yeah. would have guessed. But
1: great town, by the way.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say you are in this community and I did a little Googling, Google earthing, and it looks beautiful. Uh, reminds me a little bit of like somewhere between northern Wisconsin, where I grew up, and, and maybe northern Idaho <laughs> for American people. It's like somewhere in the middle, like it's got this lakes and it's, you know, little hilly and, and trees. It's beautiful. Yes.
2: Sandy beaches and beautiful wineries. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's a fantastic s- It's It's a... I don't know. It's a little gem. It's, it really just kind of, but it's definitely uh, developing. So, but yeah, beautiful place. A hundred percent.
0: What was the coffee community like there? How pervasive was craft coffee and what role do you guys have now being a craft coffee shop in a town of, uh, I think if I remember right, you know, 150,000 people in that your metro yeah. area.
1: We did think that there was definitely a market there. We thought that there were roasters in town that were doing a phenomenal job and, and we idolized that and we, we see that for sure. But we thought there was room for more. Aaron and I love to go on a little travel, whether it's just to Vancouver or over to Calgary. Just get out and go to the hotel and let our little guy go in the pool and just kind of have a little date, date away. And when we would go to Vancouver and Calgary, Calgary, especially we found there was just so much coffee roasters. It was like every other street you'd go (laughs) on was another coffee roaster. It felt like we thought, wow, like Kelowna could be doing this as well. There's so much potential there. The, the ones that are here and are doing it are phenomenal. And like, we couldn't speak highly enough about them and we just want to join that community. Uh, But definitely so much potential. So it's a lot of
2: commodity coffee in Kelowna. There's lots of Starbucks or Tim Hortons here in the area. They serve a market and they're doing their market well for themselves. But we just felt as far, to, far as third wave coffee is and moving the coffee movement forward, there was a, a void in the market here in Kelowna that we are excited to to be filling. And As Taylor was saying, when you go to Kelowna, or when you go to Calgary or Vancouver, or any of those big cities, or listening to your podcast and listen to all the people in San Diego area and all the different craft coffee places, just seemed like there was a market here. Especially with Kelowna has a huge wine industry, Mm -hmm. and wine and coffee align so well. There's so many parallels, terroir, processing, all of those things. We felt the Kelowna people would take very easily to that and would yes it would just seem oh yeah no I get that because yeah it's just like it's just like wine so we thought let's do that that's so it's so exciting there's so much here and there's we've thought a void in the market
1: and a lot of people that come into our shop say you know it kind of feels like a wine tasting experience because we do have Our goal, and I'm going to go off on a little tangent, (laughs) our goal with the design was to have a bar that was completely empty on the front end. So we didn't want the espresso machine to be interrupting any sort of conversation or we didn't want the espresso machine to kind of be a barrier between a a conversation about coffee uh, between us and our customers. The bar that we chose is, I don't remember how many feet, three feet wide, three feet wide. He built it. So <laughs> three feet wide. And, uh, that was important for, for us to have it be completely empty, nothing on it. And then on the back bar, there's all the equipment facing the customer. So the customer can see exactly what we're doing, what we're extracting that for us was really important for multiple reasons, but mainly for conversation, conversation about what we were doing, conversation about our coffee with no barriers, no interruptions. That was incredibly important. So I think, I think, yeah, that I don't, now I've lost, I've gone off on a tangent. Now I've lost what I was saying, but it was really important for us to have that, that open space and give them that experience similar to wine. When you go and you try, you know, the multiple different kinds of wine, People are telling us that that's what this kind of reminds us of. And it's so exciting. And I think they feel really like a part of something when they're in here versus just coming in, grabbing a coffee and leaving. And that was the goal the whole way through and to see it come to life. And the vision that we imagined is there now is just so exciting.
2: And I think for us, we wanted to have that inviting walk up. We took a lot of inspiration from small cafes in Europe design aesthetically as best we could if you come up to craft 42 now it's called a roastery and tasting room we purposely didn't call it a cafe to the even though you can get everything at a cafe a little pastry a a coffee a latte because we just want to say what we're here for we're here for the coffee and we're here just to have a conversation about coffee and just let's geek out on it a little bit let's have some fun with it that's the point coffee is fun
0: I did notice that you use that tasting room terminology when I was looking at photographs of your space online. There's so much that we didn't cover today from being a female-owned business and working with other female-owned businesses to things you've learned the hard way, but we're coming up a little bit near the end of our our time for the show. I'm wondering, uh, is there any one thing that we didn't talk about today that you really want people to know about your business or about you?
1: I think one thing that's so important to us about the business is the customers and the people that come in the door. I can't tell you enough how, how many times I've kind of had to step back and notice someone was walking toward our shop with their dog or with their stroller. And you just think at some point during the day you had to, you know, turn over to your husband or text your friend or call your boss and say, Hey, do you want to meet at craft 42? And There's so much um, about that that makes me just so proud and excited and feel just grateful and appreciative of what those people have thought out before coming into our shop. And I always thought that, you know, you've maybe sent an email or you sent a text and just those conversations before coming into our shop and what led you in here is just so important to me that I don't get to hear them, but I know that they're out there and that's what makes me so excited about when I see them coming towards the door, that wasn't an, you know, a moment. Some people, it's just, they saw the sign. They're like, Oh, maybe I'll stop in there. And that's great. But also just the ones that have really thought it out and put, filled their day with it or put it into their day. I just, I'm just, uh, it just warms my heart so much and it makes me so happy. And it really makes me feel like our vision is coming to life. And some of our, all of our customers are just so incredibly kind and coming in with so much excitement and so happy that we're here and just the feedback that they're giving us and the compliments that they're giving us is just so exciting to hear I think that is really important for me to put out there I can't say enough how fun how much fun that's been just chatting with them and getting to know them and their kids and I've even made a few (laughs) mom friends I think in my experience here and and, and their stories, and we just love it. It's, it's, it's about the coffee, and sometimes it's just about meeting them and being a part of something even bigger.
2: Well, coffee is great at connecting people. That's
1: yeah.
2: the human experience. So it's, it's exciting, and I know this is a, a coffee podcast about entrepreneurialism, and I would just say to anybody that loves coffee or is an entrepreneur and has an idea that they want to do and they've thought about it and they've steed on it if you If you know fifty percent of what you want to do, just go for it. you know, just go for it. It's a, a lot of work, but it's it's worth it,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: I'll just point out for anyone listening uh to this in the future that when given an opportunity to say buy our stuff, you made a point to say how thankful you were and then encourage others, which is pretty uh, no. impressive <laughs> I don't think it was intentional, I think it's just who you are so the hardest question I have for you to to close things out today is. When you're not in your own shop and you stop somewhere else, you go to Calgary or Ontario or uh, someday San Diego, what is it <laughs> yes. that you're going to order for yourself to drink?
2: For me, it's a drip coffee. If they've dialed in their drip coffee, I know everything else is going to be good. I, I love a good drip.
1: Well, I'm disappointed. I was told I, I was going to be asked about my favorite Ninja Turtles. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I'm absolutely happy to ask you your favorite Ninja turtle. If you want <laughs> <from> the- <laughs> before you tell me what you if you were to go out and have a drink with that Ninja Turtle, what what, what would you get?
1: <laughs> um <laughs> I really go kind of all over the place with the my my beverages. I started out needing it to be a latte or because, you know, I wasn't as heavily into the coffee tasting itself. I was more just like, oh I really love a latte or wanting it to be an Americano. I, I love a drip. I'm interested because I'm Pregnant right now. I'm trying not to have too much of the. Uh, um, we're two weeks away, by the way.
0: <laughs> we oh, are. Wow.
1: Away, so we are we are just uh, ready to go. I'm I'm just trying to maybe stick to like the low calf beverages, um, and and possibly in in a latte or an americano. But I do really like to kind of try everything, and I'm really interested once I'm able to to get more into just drinking straight up espresso. We have a lot of people that come in and just ask for a straight-up espresso, and that was never something I really got into quite yet, just being pregnant in that in the last almost nine or ten months. <laughs> so we're really excited to... I'm really excited to get more into just drinking straight-up espresso shots and, and really getting the flavor notes from that.
0: Well, you still haven't told me which Ninja Turtle you would choose. Right,
1: right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was conflicted on does he want to know my favorite Ninja Turtle or the Ninja Turtle I relate most to? But I'd say for me it would be um like I looked into this. I looked into this because I watched Ninja Turtles growing up, which is obviously such a great show. But for me it would be Leonardo, I think, just the leadership style, maybe. Hopefully I haven't botched that. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> no judgment.
1: Yeah, I think that was, so I did, didn't I? Okay, I think it was Leonardo. I think it it may have been Leonardo that I was reading up on the characteristics and the personality types, and I was like, yeah, this is me.
2: That was the first question this morning when she woke up, because she's a a late-night Googler, was, I don't really think you're a Raphael. And I said, well, I don't think it's who who I think I am. It's just my favorite ninja turtle. I think I just like his side, to be honest with you. That's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hey, you know, there's no wrong answers when it comes to the turtles. And I think we can all get excited for if you're listening, Seth Rogen, uh, if you want to put coffee, you want to put this show in your new movie about the turtles, I'm all for it. (laughs) Well, I'm excited uh, for you guys that you've gotten this company going and the tasting room is open and you have a second future barista on the way. I just really appreciate your time and, and your kindness today. And, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again and trying that coffee when it, when it shows up in the mailbox.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Who knew it'd be two to three weeks to get it to you, but (laughs) that's what they tell us. But yeah, we're excited too. And we'd love to chat with you again in the future and see where we're at then. Yeah. Keep
2: doing what you're doing. We're listening.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Don't go anywhere. After that first conversation, I reconnected with Aaron and Taylor to chat further about Craft 42 being a woman-owned business and how Parenthood has changed their approach to running Craft 42. I actually came up with a couple of new questions. I'm I'm excited that you're back uh, to chat about it. And you recently became a new mom. I don't know technically when people consider themselves moms. You might be able to speak to that.
1: Yeah, the day you see that positive pregnancy test, I think it's kind of... That's uh, the day? Yeah, it's that you feel all the things, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm wondering, as, as a new mom and a new dad, you know, how has that changed your approach to work? Because Craft 42 is kind of like a new child as well in a different way. I don't mean to compare the two directly, but it's it's a new endeavor that takes a lot of attention and time.
1: Totally. Um, I mean, I, I think um, we just do our best to multitask as much as possible, but at the same time, like we've been bringing her into the shop and, and people have been so gracious and like just wanting to meet her and having a little bit of patience. If I have to step away with the baby, yeah, we're just kind of making it all work. We're giving her all the time that she needs. And then Aaron and I are really splitting roles. Well, he's doing a great job, Taking a lot of the pressure off me in the shop and helping me out there where he can, and then I'm obviously a little bit more needing to be right with her with all the things that uh, mom needs to do directly with the baby. So, but yeah, no, here she is. She might <laughs> she's she's a gassy gal, so we're getting <laughs> we're getting all the sounds. Um, all the systems uh, are working. All the systems are functioning properly, but you may hear a few of them because. Uh, I've heard a few of them in the background since we got on here. so It'll
0: be a good test of uh, the microphone. I uh, Yeah, exactly. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> well, you just mentioned you're bringing your daughter into the shop. She's going to grow up with uh, parents who are entrepreneurs, uh, an example that I had growing up. Craft 42 in particular, you're a female-owned business, and you, I know you work with a lot of other women-owned businesses. I'm wondering if you could speak to what you think that means. You you were in the coffee industry for a long time before, so you've seen what the industry has been like. Do you feel that that has an impact on what you've done or what you've decided to do or how you go about your business? It's such a big question. What does it mean it to is. you to be a, a, a woman entrepreneur and, and leading a business uh, in the coffee industry?
1: I think... I was always aware that women were so capable of, of so much in, in the entrepreneurial world, but now being in it myself um, directly, it is incredible how many women I have met in the industry. Um, also just entrepreneurial women and chatting with them and, and, and supporting each other. And there's this incredible synergy of entrepreneurial women in Kelowna. I, think that the majority of the people that we work with are women who have started a business or that that come into our shop, have their own business. A lot of the local companies that we're we're using for say our pastries, because we did start pastries, are women. One is a gentleman and one is a woman. And it's just been such an incredible opportunity to work alongside all these women. Actually, I should say the one is a family owned, uh, both are family owned, but both, both wives are heavily involved in these, these pastry companies as well. Also anytime, um, when Aaron and I were starting the company, we worked with a lot of women that gave us advice on where to go and what to do in Kelowna alone. There's quite a few companies that support women. So there's mamas for mamas. There's, um, Kelowna uh well I went to a wine women and well-being um presentation there's Kelowna women in business KWIB that one is that one's huge here in Kelowna as well so there's so much support um like I said the synergies there in Kelowna to be able to feel like you're not alone and to feel like there's a lot of other women out there with babies and newborns and Uh, with families that are making it all happen themselves as well. And we chat back and forth with each other. I've actually gained a lot of friendships with women who own their own business and who are in the exact same boat as we are, just had a baby or had twins or, and they're trying to start up shops and businesses. And um, so there's a lot out there um, with, with all the women and and I can't say it enough. Women are incredible. We're, we're (laughs) always doing jobs at, work and 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 now we're starting these companies but then we're at home starting these families and creating these children and and bringing them into it all and so I do think that there is a huge support system out here in Kelowna and the majority of the companies that I go to that I'm interested the local shops almost all of them are run by women so we we really are lucky and fortunate to have that here Um.
0: Coming from the industry previously to this, did you feel that before or did you see a difference in the industry as the way it treated you as a woman who was working in coffee? I mean, if my listenership is any indication, you know, the first several seasons, it was 50-50 men and and women based on the analytics, but it skews more male now. It's 75% male as of the last count. And I think a lot of that is because there's just so many more men working in coffee. And I do have a lot of industry listeners but when I'm interviewing women on this show, I'm always surprised at how many say they feel alone. And I'm wondering, it speaks a little bit to what you were saying is, was there a connecting point? Were you able to find people before you were in the industry uh, or in a role of leadership?
1: I did feel alone before this. I'm glad you asked that. I did feel like I don't. This is a lot. This is a lot. And like I just felt like I was you know, um, very much. I always had Aaron. So that was always amazing. But I never really knew a lot of the women that were doing and taking on as much as I was taking on. And then I got into it and people started visiting the shop and people started reaching out and somehow connections were made. And I just started realizing I am not alone. There are so many successful women out there that can offer me so much advice and I can in return to them some that have more experience than me asking me questions about the way we do things and some that I have less experience and can reach out to them about the way they're doing things so you're you're right in like there is not there are not a lot of women maybe in this particular industry right now um but I'm seeing a lot of them coming coming in I'm seeing a lot of ro I follow a lot of roasters that are women I'm seeing them toss on some overalls and get in front of that roaster and
2: Luna out of Langley.
1: does a great job. Yeah. There's so many out there now, but you're right. I didn't see it at first. I wasn't, I felt alone. I felt like without Aaron, I don't know if I could do this, but then I have so many friends now, um, just through entrepreneurialism and just through the, the, the Kelowna community that have helped me gain some confidence that like we can do this. So
2: I think also in specialty coffee, it would be great to see more women in there. There are some fantastic women already in it. But when we're talking about entrepreneurship specifically, uh, not so much in the, on the coffee side, but there's just so many women in and around where we are that have been just so inspiring from the entrepreneurship side. And I feel that they really support each other like a family and they'll bring in their family. You know, for every woman entrepreneur we've met, we've also met her husband or her partner. You know, it's a family It's a family affair. And I just feel like everybody roots for each other so hard. They're pulling for you so hard all the time when they see that there's a family or there's a, a, a woman-owned business that's just going after it and just saying, you know what, I want this, I want it for my family, I want it all. I want to be a mother, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to be a businesswoman. And I'm not taking a back seat anywhere. And I think that's so inspiring to see women like that.
0: Just as we're talking, I'm thinking kind of about my own experience becoming an entrepreneur and the groups I was invited into, the business groups and the networking groups that were I think technically open to anyone, but were predominantly male. I'm wondering, as I'm asking you these questions, and there's obviously a great pride in being a mom entrepreneur, a woman entrepreneur, a female-led business, working with your husband uh, as a family. Is there part of you that also wishes that we didn't have to ask this question or that it wasn't as important to talk about because it was just commonplace?
1: 100%. And I remember when we originally found found out that we were having a girl. I had a bit of a hard time with that because I was just thinking, oh, it's just such a tough world out there and women just have to work so much harder to get recognized, to be established, to become established. And I just wish that wasn't the case anymore. So I actually really appreciate that question. That's a really good question. I do wish that we never had to have this conversation. And I genuinely believe that there will become a day where this conversation won't exist, but these are the conversations that need to happen now so that we can get to a place where we don't have to have them, you know? So it really, it really is, is an important conversation. I wish that we could say we're past that, but we're not. And that's the reality. And I hope that we can be inspiration to our daughter one day and she can be just as strong and independent as we are. And um, as I am, and as a woman entrepreneur and yeah, that's the goal.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Everyone has to have some uncomfortable conversations so that everybody can be comfortable going forward.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And I think everyone needs to, I shouldn't say everyone, I'm not presuming what people need to do, but I know for me, I had to become comfortable being uncomfortable Mm. as I was getting older and the roles in my relationship were changing. You know, my wife is amazing and she is uh, what you would call traditionally called the breadwinner in our family. And there was certainly a part of me that was really insecure about that. As much as I wanted to be supportive and be proud and was proud and supportive, there was also this other part of me going like, you should be doing something different. You should be doing more. You should be the protector, the caretaker, the Mm -hmm. financial moneymaker. And so it's been a long process, but I think the willingness to be uncomfortable is part of that. And that's something I worry that gets lost. When our needs are being met kind of constantly all the time, and we're reinforced that that everything uh, we do is wonderful
1: yeah <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Ryan. That's yeah. really great. I love that you just shared that. I think that um yeah, there was a long mm-hmm. time where I think I was also um you know the breadwinner of the family and and it that just is what it is that's just. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's as recognized. Oh, look it. <laughs> Sorry, we, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't tell myself. We get, to see, we get to see something pretty special right now.
0: Yep, this is, uh, this is Keto Whiskey Thundernuts. He's our new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> he is, has apparently learned how to take apart that bone much faster than I anticipated.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, you're going to go away. Oh, but he's so cute
0: yeah he's our little cow. He was an immediate impulse buy.
1: <laughs> aren't, they always, aren't they always with a face? Like, how do you not impulse buy?
0: No, and even at, you know, 2.45 in the morning when I have a 4 a.m. flight and he needs to go out, I have not been uh, upset about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's so hard to get any, to have any sort of frustration towards something so innocent and helpless. <laughs> and they just They just depend so much on you, right?
0: Yeah, and when I do... When I do have that moment, I always almost immediately go, what are you doing? This dog doesn't yeah. care that you're upset. He doesn't know yeah. that. Just, <laughs> this is just you being upset for you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Did, is there anything in this conversation, uh, that this reconnection that we, we're having right now that I didn't uh, cover that you wanted to to get out there and say?
1: No, it was it was great, and I, I'm just so glad to have discussed that. In fact, your questions were bang on, and I'm so excited to have reflected on on the women here in Cologne and the support that I've gotten, and reflected on how important it is that women are recognized in the entrepreneurial world and for all the success that they've established so far, and hopefully. We can continue to recognize that and continue to support that and gain that here in Kelowna. And yeah, thank you so much for, for really taking the time to ask those really important questions.
0: Well, I'm just grateful that you were willing to chat about it and, and come back on the show and that you, you know, pushed to come back to talk about it before we put this episode out. So it's always important to kind of cover new ground, I think, with every, with every episode.
1: You had originally asked us about it, and I don't know if we went off on a tangent, but I don't oh, know I what definitely happened. Went I, I'm going to blame Erin yeah. on that one. I, I went down know. a rabbit hole. That I one. don't know. Can I just do that? We'll we'll, we'll hear it. We'll find <laughs> out. But I just said, no, no, I, I specifically wanted to talk about this, and I, it's so important, and I, I'm so grateful.
0: It could have been me as well. I have a tendency to ask six questions at once and then leave it up to you to decide <laughs> what <which> to answer.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's just the sign of a terrible interviewer. <laughs> Okay, here are some key takeaways from today's pod. Prior to starting down this entrepreneurial path, Taylor was already in the coffee industry. She had the opportunity to learn, and a fairly long lead-up, to fall in love with coffee and the business of coffee. Aaron's passion was stoked more by a fellow coffee couple who opened their metaphorical coffee doors to them. They started experimenting at home, roasting and roasting and roasting again. During this process, they were experiencing the impact of the coronavirus pandemic and being first-time parents. Finding out they were pregnant with their second child was a game-changer, especially for Taylor, who always knew she was going to be an entrepreneur. It was time for them to take a risk. I'm paraphrasing Aaron here, but his mentality is that if you know 60% of something, you better go for it, because if you wait until you know it all, it probably won't happen. I'd venture that probably helped push them forward. A retail location wasn't part of their original plan, unless, of course, the perfect location, the perfect space, came along. And then it did. It should be noted that the Craft 42 retail space is a roastery and tasting room, not a cafe. The space gives Aaron and Taylor an opportunity to engage with their customers directly, tasting with them, and sharing what they've learned in hopes of improving the at-home experience for their customers as well. In the end, the thing I hope all burgeoning entrepreneurs take away from this episode is that entrepreneurs pull for and root for each other so hard. Wherever you are at in your entrepreneurial journey, you are not alone. You just need to find your community. If it's coffee you're into, maybe reach out to Aaron and Taylor at Craft42. You can do that by following them on Instagram at craft42roasters or go directly to craft42roasters.ca to order coffee and to learn more about what is happening at the Roastery and Tasting Room. That's it for this bonus edition of the Coffee People podcast. Thanks to Aaron and Taylor for joining me not once but twice and even for reaching out to push for that second conversation. Thank you to you for listening to it and thank you to this show's roast industry partners, including our aforementioned presenting sponsor, Roast Our Coffee Packaging, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Morea Coffee, First Light Coffee Whiskey, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ascend Coffee Roasters, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, San Franciscan Roaster Company, Crossings Coffee, Hosea Coffee Source, and Camp Coffee Company in Oceanside, California, where I'll be hosting a pop-up this Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. If you want to stop by and say hi, you know where to find me. This episode of the Coffee People podcast, which is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network, is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and at least with a thread of sanity left, enabling you to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. there's always a truck backing up when I start this. This podcast is a listener and reader supported creative effort. Some amazing listeners and readers have chosen the paid subscription to the Roast West Coast newsletter, which you can find on roastwestcoast.com. They are part of a growing community of people who appreciate craft coffee learning about coffee, and being inspired by the guests on this show. This show doesn't survive without their support. So if you are able, and this show has been going pretty well with your morning mug of your favorite cup of coffee, please subscribe to the paid newsletter at roastwestcoast.com. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and thank you for drinking good coffee.